Well, it's a privilege to sit down with one of my favorite all-time leaders, Super Bowl champion coach, Tony Dungy. Thank you for joining us today at the Forum. Well, thank you, Dr. Engel. Great to be with you. You know, you've had such an amazing career, and I'm excited to kind of dive into uh, and learn from your experiences, especially your leadership and the qualities that you think are important uh, as you lead. But before we start, can you give us a uh, maybe a quick rundown of, of your leadership journey, starting when you signed with the Pittsburgh Steelers way back? Well, I think my journey probably started even before that in high school. Uh, I remember being a sophomore and being promoted to the varsity, and my coach, Dave Driscoll, at the time said, you're going to have to be a leader now. Uh, the quarterback is a leadership position, and that scared me a little bit because I just wanted to be on the team. And and he said, well, you will be on the team, but you're going to be in a position where other guys are following you. And that's probably the first time I ever had to think about that. And then from then on, through my high school career, my college career, I was a quarterback and I was the leader and I thought I was pretty good at it. But then I went to Pittsburgh, went to that, that Steeler team in 1977. It's a Super Bowl team with, with 10 Hall of Fame players on there. And I got to see what real leadership was all about. Uh, we had guys like Joe Green and Terry Bradshaw and Rocky Blyer, uh, just a, a cast of characters like that who not only wanted to win, but they wanted to help everybody on the team be better. And that's how we we're going to win. It wasn't just them performing well, but it was getting our whole group together. And that's, I think, where I really learned what leadership is all about. And you, and you have had a variety of, of experiences with so many different teams, but what are some of the leadership skills that you've observed over time that you, you've grabbed hold of and now you utilize that often in the way you lead? The number one thing is that you have to have a, a team spirit when you lead. The, the goal is not that I'm in charge, I'm going to take everybody where we want to go. No, what does our group want to do? What do we want to accomplish? And how can we get everybody thinking the same way? And then another big lesson I learned is when I actually joined the coaching staff in Pittsburgh. And Chuck Noll was our coach. He hired me. I was 25 years old. I'd never coached before. And I remember asking him, Coach, what is my job? What do you want me to do? And he told me something that stuck with me the rest of my life. He said, Tony, as a coach, your job is to help your players play better. And it was so simple. But then as I thought about that, I said, that's what Coach Noel has always done for us. He's helped us play better. And that's why he's such an exceptional leader. So it really uh, kind of made me think about the Bible and the biblical perspective. When Jesus says to lead, we have to serve. And that's what Coach Noel got, got across to me. Your players are the most important people, and you're there to help them be the best they can be. And if you think about it that way as a leader, I'm, I'm here to help my group, uh, then that, that tells you everything. And, and you talk about serving. Ultimately, what is servant leadership to you? To me, it's finding out what your group needs. What do your individual players need? And that takes a couple of things. First of all, you've got to develop a rela relationship. You've got to get to know them figure out what they do well, what they don't do quite as well, and then what do they need to succeed? And then it's given each and every one of them uh, the things that they need. And uh, that, that's another thing. A lot of times in football coaches, we, we get this uh, kind of perspective, well, it's my way or the highway. Sure. Everybody's following me and you better do it my way. And that's not the case because you're going to leave behind a lot of people. So it's, okay, what is the way that's going to help all of them be the best? And when I think of servant leadership, that's what it is. What can I do to help everybody in my group 
get to the place where they want to be. You had the privilege to serve under some great coaches, Chuck Noll, as you as you mentioned. Uh, uh, when you look at these leaders, is there a particular leader that you look up to the most that you've grabbed, maybe the most, or or who is who is a leader that you most admire? Well, I guess I'd have to start with my dad. Uh, my dad led our family very well, and uh, he talked about setting goals and not letting other people define you and not letting failure stop you. And I, I watched my dad come up through some difficult times of segregated society back in the 50s and 60s. And my dad saying, I'm not going to be defined by that. Uh, I'm going to go where the Lord wants me to go and I'm not going to take any excuses or, or, or make any excuses. And he taught his kids that very well. And so watching him helped me. And then going to Pittsburgh and coaching Ole was just, just phenomenal in, in terms of that. And another thing that he used to tell us on, on the staff all the time that I really grasped was when he was talking about our team and our players, he, he had a phrase. He said, pressure is what you feel when you don't know what to do. If our people know what to do and know how to do it, they'll be able to go out there and they won't feel pressure, they won't feel tight, they'll, they'll be confident. So our job is to teach them what to do and how to do it. And uh, I've always thought that's another great thing in leadership is not telling you, hey, do this, do that, but show you what to do and how to do it. And then you're gonna, you're gonna feel good about getting your job done. And I, and I love that, that phrase about pressure. How, how can leaders lead under great pressure and, and, and stress? And I think the number one thing is deciding what you're going to have confidence in. Mm -hmm. And am I going to have confidence in my own ability? Uh, if that's the case, then I am going to feel pressure at times and I'm not going to have all the answers and know what to do. But if I really, if I'm getting my direction from the Lord and then I've got good people around me that I'm willing to take in information and, and get everybody's opinion, then we can all go in the right direction and, and we can all feel confident. And if we're doing things the right way and we, we feel good about it as a group, uh, we're, we're going to be fine. Block out all the outside noise, stay, stay the course, and that, that's the way I think you overcome that, that feeling of, well, what's everybody else think? What, this is a pressurized moment. No, we do what we do. We feel good as a group, and we continue to move forward. You know, we're going through a, a difficult season right now. The, the COVID pandemic, of course, has created a lot of difficult emotions uh, and feelings. What are, what are a couple of values that you hold on to in different seasons like this time? I think when you face difficult times, you really have to come back to what is important for me. And is it important to win the Super Bowl? Is that the only important goal we have? No, there, there are other things that we have to do along the way. Uh, th this COVID situation, there are things we can't do now. There are things that we have to do differently, but it can't take away from what's really important to us. Relationships, uh, goals, moving forward. Um, I've, I've got to keep my mind on that and not think about the things that I can't do or the things that are going to make it a little more difficult. What do I have to do to continue to move forward and continue to chase my goals? Yeah, you've been a part of some great thriving organizations, but you've also been a part of uh, organizations where you needed to come in and bring change. You needed to come in and, and bring uh, transformation. In your experience, how does a lack of leadership hurt a team? 
I came to the Tampa Bay Bucks in 1996. They had had, I think, 14 straight losing seasons. Everyone says, oh, it's a hopeless situation. Don't go there. Uh, you're not going to succeed. And what I found was that it really was very much uh, attitude that, that defined things. And so how do you change the attitude from hopeless, number one, to hopeful? And then how do you change it from a selfish situation where, hey, we're, we're not going to win, we're not going to achieve our goals, so I might as well just look out for myself, to one where everyone says, we can achieve our goals if we all work together. And I think that is the leader uh, defining things and, and setting a, a tone. I remember the first meeting that we ever had with the Bucks, and I talked about how we were going to do things. Hey, we're going to be great teammates. We're going to be great in the community. We're going to be great role models. We're going to have a care for the city of Tampa. We're going to make Tampa a better place to live. I went on for about 45 minutes like that. And Derek Brooks, one of our players said, what about winning? Doesn't, doesn't that come in anywhere? And I said, no, that is how we're going to win. And it was completely different from what they were thinking about. They, they had heard in the ball, oh, we've got to do this. We've got to lift weights. We've got to uh, work out. We've got to get faster. We've got to get stronger. All of those things would come. We've got to build this camaraderie. We've got to build a unit that cares about each other, that cares about our community. If we do that, all these other things are going to take care of themselves. And it was a completely different uh, mindset than they'd, they'd ever heard. But after we all kind of bought in to it, then it became, that was our mantra. There's a buccaneer way that we do things. And that superseded everything. And, and I think that's what good leadership is, setting that overall goal and that direction for the group. Now, what do you what do you do with uh, with players or what do you do with people on your team who don't want to change? And, you know, their attitudes, you know, to the new tone you're trying to set. It's just not coming into alignment. How, how do you work through that? That's hard because the easy thing is, so Dr. Engel, he doesn't get it. We, we don't need him. We'll discard him. But then you're going to lose a lot of what what could be great for you. So it's how do I bring that person in? How do I get him to see things our way? And that, again, comes to building relationships and digging deeper and trying to get them to engage in what we're doing. That, that's hard. It takes time, but I think that's the most important thing. Now, there's going to be people who are resistant, and you have to, as a leader, come to that conclusion. Can I still work with them? Uh, is it close? Is he going to come into the fold with us? Or is this going to be a negative, someone that's going to be an anchor on us? And there are times when we, we might have to just say, you know what, this doesn't fit. But I always felt like working with people first, trying to get them to do it our way and see it our way, that was more important than just saying, hey, we're going to change and bring all new people in. Uh, Work with who you have, try to get them to embrace our philosophy, because once you do win them over, they can be some of your biggest allies. You know, one of the things that I've admired a lot about you is, is family is extremely important to you, and it's really a, a heart and soul of who you are and, and your calling. What would you say to others about the importance of leadership, especially within their own families? 
I, I, as I told you about my dad, I think that's where it starts. And I know we've had a lot of talk, and I've talked to a lot of people in the last year with the, all the social justice things. They'd say, what can I do? How can I help? And to me, that's where it starts. If you start with your family, this is how we're going to do things. This is how we're going to treat people. These are the values that we're going to have as a group. Then it has a chance to branch out from there. Uh, but to me, family is so important. My mom, her favorite saying, and it's, it's one that just, I, I, it stuck with me my whole life. Matthew 16, 26, what would it profit a man to gain the whole world but forfeit his soul? And she used to say that to us all the time. It's not what you do in life, it's how you do it. It's who you do it with. And, and family is so important. It's much more important than your job or your promotion or, or where you're going. And I, I always wanted to, to keep that. And I always wanted my players to know that that was, I don't want to win a Super Bowl and have, uh, and divorce my wife. I don't want to win a Super Bowl and have all of my players' attention being here so that they're not good dads, they're not good husbands at home. Uh, that, that's not winning. And to me, winning is doing it the right way and setting the right example and being there as a group. That was one of the reasons I got started with an organization called All Pro Dad. Yeah. Uh, we were, I was talking with some of my assistant coaches and we were just starting to turn the corner. We we're just starting to win. But so many of us were saying, gosh, we're not spending as much time with our kids as, as our dads did. And we're not doing a good job at home. How can we be a little bit better? We went over to family first to try to get some tips for ourselves. And then we were able to spread it to our players and to the community and, and it was awesome. But to me, that winning that way is much more important than winning on the scoreboard of a football game. And and speaking of that, how how do you bring balance to 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 your work and and also have the 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 strong commitment to your family? It is tough because the Lord calls us to be excellent. He says, whatever we do, do it as unto the Lord. So when I go to work for the football team, or now I go to work for NBC, I want to bring everything that I've got. I want to be excellent there. And that takes time, uh, especially for a dad. It takes time at work to do your job well. But how can I now balance that and, and say, I've got another job. I've got to be a dad. I've got to be a husband. Uh, I want to be excellent at that too. And I can't lose sight. I can't take one and say, oh, I'm just going to be a dad and I'm going to give work 10%. I'm just going to be at work and I'm going to give my kids and my family 10%. No, I've got to figure out how to, to balance that. And it's not easy. Right. Uh, it takes sacrifice sometimes. And for me, uh, it was kind of off season, in season. Hey, mom, kids, I am going to be at work a lot in the fall. But when we get to the spring, when we get to the summer, that's when we're going to make it up. And, and you know I love you. You know I care about you. I would be there if I could. Uh, there's times when I've got to be away. I'm going to take you boys to work with me when I can. But there's times when I can't. But understand, that doesn't mean I don't love you. And I'm going to make it up to you. And then I've got to stick to that promise. So when summer comes, and I'd rather, really like to just lay back and, and they come and say, Dad, let's yeah. go. Can we go for a bike ride? Well, I can't say no at that point. Yeah, I promise you that I'm going to make it up. I've got to be a man of my word. Yeah, yeah. I want to go back to um, qualities of leadership. Uh, what are what are 
you know, two or three qualities in leaders that you've seen uh, and how they have shined through difficulties, through bringing balance to, to uh, work life and, and home life and, and, and what has really, you know, gravitated to your life in, in those circumstances? The two qualities I've admired most in, in leaders uh, that I've been around, number one is selflessness. Uh, a, a great leader, in my opinion, can't be selfish. They have to really look at the others in the group, care about the others in the group, and give of themselves. And the best leaders I've been around have been that way. Uh, people ask me all the time about Peyton Manning. What was it like to coach yeah. Peyton Manning, and why was he good? Well, my favorite story with Peyton, uh, my last year coaching, he had already been the league MVP three times. We've already won a Super Bowl. He's the, the most famous player in the NFL at that point. We drafted a rookie receiver from Ohio State. And because of Ohio State's class schedule, Anthony Gonzalez couldn't come practice with us in the spring. Peyton, without anybody knowing, would get in his car twice a week, drive from Indianapolis to Columbus, Ohio, drive three hours, take the playbook, go over it for an hour with Anthony, throw balls at Ohio State on his field with him, and then drive back. Eight-hour day to help another young rookie learn what was going on. People wouldn't know that, but that was him. I want to help my teammates be better. Very, very unselfish. And then the second thing I think great leaders have is the ability to listen. The best people that I've been around in leadership role were the best listeners. Coach Noel would take in suggestions from everybody. He'd hear, hear everybody's point of view. How can we do this a little better? How can we adjust this? What play do you want to run? Then in the end, of course, he's got to make the decision and he's got to live with it and he's got to be the face of our team making that decision. But he's taken all this information in. He hasn't just said, well, I'm the smartest guy in the room. I know everything. Here's what we're going to do. Uh, no, I'm going to hear from everybody. It's going to be a group decision. Now, I'll, I'll take the consequences and I'll, I'll be the point man. Uh, but I've listened to everybody's opinion and formulated a way we're going to go. So I think unselfishness and the ability to listen. You know, many of us know parts of your story and, and, and know some of the struggles uh, you have gone through in your leadership journey. How have the difficult seasons of your life actually changed the way you methodically approach leadership? I think going through tough times and going through disappointments helps you focus in and, and be more determined and uh, not give up when you've had to fight through some things. When things come easily, um, it, it's never the greatest. Uh, when I was younger, I was the best guy on my junior high team, the best guy on my, my high school team, and I thought I was pretty good. And then you get to college and everybody's good. And all of a sudden, boy, I've got to work a little harder and some of these guys might be better than, than I am and I've got to step it up. So those disappointments of not being the, the starter, not being the best player, not having everything go my way in college, uh, that hardened me a little bit and, and made me focus on what's really important. And then you realize, you know what? I can overcome some things. I can overcome some disappointments. And then you're able to lead people in, in a better way, I think. Yeah. You know, at Southeastern University, uh, we strive to be champions of diversity uh, and champions of in, in inclusion. Your career has meant so much to our students by being the first African-American coach to win a Super Bowl. What did that mean to you personally? 
It, it was huge because um, I, I think the way I was raised, my dad was a World War II vet. Um, he was 18 years old and enlisted in the Air Force uh, in 1944. To, he wanted to defend his country. And at that time, the Air Force was segregated. So he wasn't allowed in the main Air Force and had to go to a little place in Tuskegee, Alabama. And he became a Tuskegee Airman because he wanted to, to fight. And he said, we're not going to have any excuses. If we can't change the system. We'll work with the system and we'll train ourselves. And uh, that taught me a lot that, that you know, you can overcome some things. You can overcome all kinds of barriers if you put your mind to it. Well, 30 years later, uh, I'm coming into the NFL and there aren't very many African-American coaches. There's no head coaches and there's only 10 assistant coaches in the entire league. And I think some of my dad's mental process at the time, don't let anyone else stop you. Don't let anyone define what your goals can be. Keep working. Excellence is always going to win out. And uh, I, I saw so many African-Americans who didn't get that opportunity to become the head coach, to lead a Super Bowl team. So in 2006, Lovey Smith is coaching the Bears. I'm coaching the, the Colts, and we're the first two in, in the Super Bowl. And I'm thinking, gosh, one of us is going to win this game and become the first African-American coach to do it. And it's, it's going to be special. Mm -hmm. And I remember coming down the, the, the wire, the last minute of the game, we're ahead, and I, I know we're going to win. And I said, guys, they're going to ask me about this. And what does it really mean to me? And, and Jim Nance from CBS, he did ask me. And I, I said, Jim, it's such an honor to represent all of these former African-American coaches, guys who could have done this had they gotten the chance. So I, I'm glad to do that. I'm proud of that. But I'm even more proud that Lovey Smith and I, as Christian coaches, could also show that not only as African-Americans, but as Christians, that we could lead in a godly way and we can show people that it can be done that way. Yeah. And it was special. Yeah. When you, when you look at our nation right now and you look at the, uh, the unrest and the injustice and the division, uh, what do you think it's going to take to bring healing and, and really unify this country? I think what it's going to take is us starting at home and starting with our families and saying, you know what, doesn't matter how everybody else does it, doesn't matter what's going on out there in this family, we're going to honor the Lord, we're going to treat people the right way, we're going to let the love of Christ show from our group. That's first. And then secondly, what, what's our sphere of influence? Who else can we talk to? If I'm a student, who are, who are my fellow students that, that, that I can get together with? If I'm a coach, who's on my team that I can share that with? I, I work in a, a business. I might have four people around me in my cubicle. I might be the CEO, uh, and I've got hundreds of people around me. But whoever my sphere of influence, how can I generate this same thing and talk about the love of Christ? Because that's what it's going to take. It's not going to come from human nature. It's not going to come from changing legislation. Um, it's got to come from the heart. It's got to come from inside of us. And it's got to come from Christians who say, we've got the answer. We know. What, what it is, and we've got to share that with other people. Yeah. Well, before we close out our time today, um, as you look back 
uh, over your life and as you continue to serve uh, in leadership. If there's one leadership principle that you know, you've learned uh, over the years that you could go back and learn as a leader who just is starting out, uh, what would that be? I think the biggest principle that I, I have grown to know that is so important that I wish I knew earlier is uh, when you show people the way to go and they're following because they want to, it's much more effective than you tell people this is what they do and then they have, have to follow you. Uh, leaders that get you to follow them because I want to follow, it's much more effective. Uh, I've seen leaders who try to use fear, who try to use intimidation, or try to use their position, and that's not the way to do it. The way to do it is, hey, I know the way to go, and you know what, if you guys follow me, we're gonna have a wonderful situation. And then people are following because they think it's the right thing to do and they want to. It's much more effective than the other way. Yeah. Well, this has been a wonderful conversation and I appreciate your time, Coach. And one of the things that I, I love about you is you are, you are simply others-oriented. And, and, and by being others-oriented, that is what creates influence. That's what creates that relational dynamic that inspires and encourages. And, and the other thing you said in our conversation is, I, I, I'd rather not win a Super Bowl and then lose my family. What is important to you, you keep that at your heart and you value that. And those are principles that we all need to apply to our lives as we serve in the role that God has definitely called us to serve in. So no thank question. you for, for joining me. No question. Thank you. Now, what would it profit a man to gain the whole world but forfeit his soul? And uh, unfortunately, I've seen a lot of that and it's not pretty. But when you see the other side, when you see people who succeed and do it the Lord's way and he just elevates them and, and he gets glory in our lives, that's the way you want to do it. Yeah, it's powerful. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Dr. Angle. Oh.